0: Hi, this is Pastor Curtis. I want to thank you for checking out the Family Church Podcast. I hope it encourages you and inspires you to take your next step of faith. You can find out more about how to do that at our website, familychurch.xyz. And if you know a friend who needs to hear this message, please forward it on to them. I hope you enjoy the message. Hey, got a question for you. Have you ever crossed paths with anyone during the course of your life, of whom you could say something like one of these following statements, I'm so glad they showed up in my life when they did. Or or maybe, I don't think I would have made it through without him or without her. Or maybe this one, I wouldn't be where I am today without them. Anyone ever made a comment, something similar to that? I think for many of you, it might have been a parent. Sometimes it's a parent or parent's that kind of set you on the path for success. For some, it might have been a coach, a teacher, a mentor, a youth pastor, or maybe a pastor. Honestly, for me, while I did have a few people who were certainly positive influences in my life, I think after my, my sister got saved before I did, for, so I think that for, to a great degree she was a positive influence in my life, but far and away, far and away, the greatest influencer for me, well, and, and look, I, I know I run the risk of looking like I'm sucking up by saying this, but, but it really is true. My wife has been and still is the greatest influencer uh, in my life. And uh, I'll take it even step further. If you were to ask any of our children that question, I'm pretty sure they would answer the same way, that they would say that mom was probably the greatest influencer in their lives. And I mean literally, and, I, and, I, and literally, I would not be here today without her. Literally, I would not be here. Let me explain. Not long after we were hired as pastors here back in August of 1988, we were having lunch uh, after church one Sunday with uh, Scott and Lana Braddock, and he was a board member, and they, he was a worship leader at that time, but they came over after church, and uh, so we, were, uh, we had lunch and uh, was talking a little bit about the journey that brought us up here because I was still attending seminary at Oral Roberts University in Tulsa at the time. Finishing up my uh, degree, and of course, as a seminary student, I had all this plethora of knowledge up here, just, you know, locked in there, just waiting to unload it on any unsuspecting, the first person that, would, that I could set straight, you know, and, and so, uh, and those unsuspecting people happened to be this church, because when they brought us up here to interview, they had me preach, and I kid you not, I preached for an hour and 20 minutes, an hour and 20, and they still hired us. Can you imagine that? So, so I was having this conversation with, with Scott uh, after lunch that that one Sunday, and I just kind of made the comment. I said, you know, I'm, I was kind of surprised that you guys still, you know, hired me after that, you know, long sermon. And I never, I never forget that he said, "Oh, Curtis, we didn't hire you because of your preaching or teaching." And and Lana and Sue were sitting in the kitchen. He pointed in there and he pointed at Sue. He said, "We hired you because of her." <laughs> that is a true story. He said, "We hired you because." So literally, I would not be here. <laughs> if it were not for my wife. But I think many of us, without having to think for too long, could think of a person, or perhaps people who were influential in helping mold and shape your life in a a positive and and successful way. In in my case, I happen to have this added bonus of this influencer was happened to be smoking hot and felt sorry for me when I asked her to marry me and took pity on me and and agreed to do that. And so, and and look, I did go to Bible school. I didn't go to Bible school to do what I'm doing now. I, I didn't, I didn't want to be a preacher. I went down there because I needed to get some spiritual traction in my life. And, and while the classes did help build a spiritual foundation, far and away, it was meeting her that kind of really set me on the path that I needed to be on and brought me to where I am at today. So uh, have you ever met someone like that? Not smoking hot necessarily, but, but someone, someone who came into your life, you know, it seemed like they were just dropped into your life at the right time. And, and in some cases, you know, they maybe gave us opportunities that we wouldn't have had had we not met them. In other cases, they maybe gave us some insight or maybe provided some uh, encouragement for us, maybe some context for where we're, we're at at that stage of our life. Uh, maybe they helped give us some perspective. Sometimes hope. Sometimes maybe these people just kind of gave us some hope. Sometimes correction. Sometimes confrontation and and you didn't like it when they did because you know you felt like they were getting up in your in your business right but you're glad you look back on it now and you're glad that they did because your life would look completely different had they not done what they did and had your past not had your lives not crossed paths this morning we're in part four of our series titled faithful fueling your faith in a world on empty and the premise behind this series is that when jesus invited people to follow him it became very evident that his agenda would be that they would be people of, of, of great faith. Not, not, not they, we, people of his followers for all time, for all of history, would be people of extraordinary, unshakable, great faith. Faith that shows up at home, faith that shows up at work, faith that shows up at school. Faith that shows up in the community. In fact, James, the brother of Jesus, said that if your faith isn't active, if it doesn't show up in your daily life, he, he said it's, it's really useless. Actually, the word he used was a little more He said it's dead. He said your faith is dead if it doesn't show up in, in everyday life. And that's why Jesus' invitation to people was not to just believe in him, but to follow him. To follow him, to step into the real world where we live and work and play and to live our faith out in such a way that people would see that it's not just something we believe, but it's something that we do. It's making a difference in our life. Again, that's why the invitation was to follow me, not just believe in. See, belief alone, if it stays in your head and never gets into the, your heart and played out in the activity of your, your daily life, I'm sorry, that faith is it's, it's not going to grow. It's going to become weak Fragile and feeble. In fact, if you're here this morning and you used to have faith, or maybe, maybe you, you've never had faith or you used to have it and you walked away from it, that might be for that very reason. Because you had, your faith was up here, you believed in him, but you never followed him. And if your faith just stays up here, you know, it, I'm sorry, you're, you know, your, your life's never going to change. But it's easy to see why that's the more attractive path because it's easier. It doesn't take anything to believe. What takes work is to follow, to follow. And it's interesting because when you talk to people who walked away from faith in God, usually, not always, but usually they don't know exactly when it happened. It's not like they woke up one morning and say, you know what? I don't believe in God anymore. No, no, I, I you know, that, that's not how it works out. That's not how it works out. I, you know, sometimes I think, you know, there, there, there is an aspect of, 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 of uh, intellect that comes into play here. Uh, you know, if, if, if you like, you know, you, you're a freshman in college and your anthropology professor, you know, preaches against, you know, the Bible and all that. Well, yeah, there's an element where that might, you know, shake someone's faith a little bit. But far and away, no, the, the reason that people walk away from faith, it's not intellectual. It's because It's because they first, kind of drift from the community of faith. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. But this is why we keep circling around to this, this question that you should ask yourself each morning before you walk out the door. What would I do? Not what would I believe, what would I do? How would I live? How would I respond? How would I react? What would I avoid? What would I do if I was absolutely confident that God was with me? That's what it looks like to walk by faith. So in this series, we're looking at five things, five principles that fuel or facilitate the development of active, unshakable, big time enduring faith. And the first principle we looked at two weeks ago was practical teaching. Practical teaching. When anybody tells their faith story or their faith journey, they always talk about the first time that someone opened up the scriptures to them or the first time that they actually understood the Bible in a way that they could apply it to their lives. Because your faith will never grow until you begin applying God's word to your daily lives. The reason application is so important is because it takes faith to apply God's word. Right? And when our faith intersects with God's faithfulness, that's when our faith grows. When we experience God on the back end of a decision that we've made in terms of, of following Jesus, when we've done something sacrificial maybe for somebody else, when we've trusted God with our, with our relationships, trusted God with our finances, trusted God with our everything, every aspect of our life, that's when our faith really begins to grow. So practical teaching is one of the catalysts that helps grow and blow up our faith. The second thing is personal ministry. Personal ministry, right? That, that, that's kind of like the first time that you took that step of faith and did something beyond your uh, comfort zone, Right? People talk about the the first time they were scared spitless, you know, that they they, they took the next class and then they signed up to serve in family kids and they were so scared they showed up that first Sunday morning because they walked into the preschool room and they were so afraid that five-year-old was going to ask them a Bible question that they couldn't answer. But they went ahead, they made it through the class and afterwards, you know, you take that deep sigh and it's like, man, I am so glad that I did that, right? The first time that that you you followed that nudge to, and and you felt inadequate, you felt in over your head, but you went ahead and took that step of faith, and you were so glad that you did afterwards. That, because what happened was your faith intersected with God's faithfulness, and that's when that gave your faith some traction and began to blow up and grow up. So that's another thing that grows up and grows up our faith, practical teaching. The third thing that we're gonna look at this morning is providential relationships. Providential relationships. When anyone shares their, their faith story, it usually includes some type of relationship, you know, and then I met this girl, then I met this guy, then I met this couple, and then we had some new neighbors move in next door, and, and you know, they went to church, and we thought they were kind of weird at first, uh, and, and then their kids invited our kids to go to church, and then, then we started seeing some changes in our kids, so we wanted to check this church out, and so we went, and we accepted Christ, and we've never looked back, right? See, in, in some capacity, some type of providential relationship, God dropped someone into your life, that changed the trajectory of their life. And and people share their their faith stories. They talk about that providential relationship. Maybe someone invited you to a small group, and you're like, small group? What's a small group? You never heard of it. That sounds kind of weird, but anyway. But something like that. But you went, and then all of a sudden, God began to use that providential relationship to draw him unto him. The point being, when you consider your faith journey, there are people that you can point to as being pivotal, and you coming to faith, almost, again, almost as if God just dropped them into your life at just the right time. And when it happened, you probably didn't realize it at the time, but looking back, you realize that that was a defining moment for you in your faith journey. And you can't help but feel that it was somewhat providential. It was like divine intervention. In fact, for some of you, it might have been an intervention a couple friends showed up on your porch one day and said, we got to talk. And you knew what they wanted to talk about and you didn't want to talk about it. But you did. And you were so glad that they loved you graciously and confronted you with that. And you changed and you began to make those changes they talked to you about. And it was a game changer for you. And as much as, you, as, as angry as you were at first, as much as you pushed back, you, today you are so glad that they came and talked to you, aren't they? Right? Some of the best friends that you've ever had That was providential. God brought them along at just the right time. I don't know where I would be today if it weren't for those two guys, for those two gals, for that group of people that came and talked to me. But here's what you need to understand. There's another side to this as well because God has used some of you. Now think about this. God has used some of you. God has dropped you into the lives of some people and used you in a way that helped orchestrate and steer them to him, right? It might've been, might been a coach, it might've been a teacher, it might've been a boss. Again, you know, and you have no, and see the thing is, you didn't know that you were being that influential in their life. You were just trying to be a friend. You were just trying to be a good Christian, you know, reach out, love them, invite them to church, whatever. But you had no idea the influence that, of the influence that you would have in their, in their life. You know what a defining moment is? It's that moment you look back and think, wow, that defined me for good or bad, because it works both ways. Defining moments always involve other people. They always include some sort of relationship, either good or bad. It's like, I'm so glad I met them, or I wish I had never met them. And we we shouldn't be surprised that one of the things that God uses to grow up and blow up our faith are relationships, because this is how Christianity began. It began when God sent his son into the world as one of us to have an intervention With us, right? To to intervene with us and to change us. And anybody, think about this, anybody whose life intersected with Jesus, it was a defining moment for them. In fact, I want us to look at one of these defining moments recorded for us in the Bible. One day, Jesus met up with a guy named Philip. And just like he did to all of his other disciples, Peter, James, John, Matthew, Jesus invited Philip to follow him. But instead of just dropping everything and following Jesus, Philip tells Jesus, he says, okay, I'll follow you, but can you wait right here for just a, just a second? I want to go get my friend, All Right, And so Philip goes, and he gets his buddy, Nathaniel, Right, And he says, Nathaniel, you're not going to believe this. We've found the Messiah. And Nathaniel's response was pretty underwhelming. In fact, he's skeptical. He's not only skeptical, he actually disses Jesus' hometown, Right? But Philip comes and tells Nathaniel, he says, hey, we found the Messiah. And he said, he wanted to know if we would follow him, if we wanted to follow him. But Nathaniel wouldn't have anything to do with it. His take on it was, you know what? We've been waiting for the Messiah for hundreds of years, thousands of years. And you're telling me that he's here now? Philip's like, yeah, yeah. And, and, and he, it's Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathaniel's like, Nazareth? Are you kidding me? nothing good, right? Isn't that what the verse says? Nothing good comes out of Nazareth, right? And certainly not the Messiah is gonna come out of Nazareth. So Nathaniel's just not interested. At which point, think about this, at which point Philip, if he were like most of us, if he were like you or me, he'd just say, okay, right, you don't wanna go, that's fine. You just go ahead and stay here and have your Alan Jackson little bitty life, you know? (laughs) And I'm gonna go and my name's gonna be in the Bible and your name's gonna be nowhere, right? Talk about a missed opportunity. Talk about a missed opportunity of epic proportions. Then again, you know, we have the luxury of looking back in history. We know what happened. Still, think about all those, think about all those who missed out on the opportunity of a lifetime to say yes to Jesus. Think about that. Because there were a lot of them that said no, right? I mean, that's right up there with, you know, you should have bought Google stock. That's right up there with, you should have drafted you should have drafted Patrick Mahomes in one of the first nine picks right? But Nathaniel, uh, you know, he's just not interested. But Philip doesn't give up. Philip doesn't get. He's relentless. He's relentless. And so he says, look, Nathaniel, like, I don't know about the Nazareth thing, and I can't answer all your questions. I'm just telling you, you need to come and see for yourself. So finally, Nathaniel relents, and he goes with Philip, and he meets Jesus. And sure enough, he's like, wow, this is the Messiah. And I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that for the rest of Nathaniel's life, especially after every time Jesus did a miracle. He had a a ringside seat to that. And I'm sure every time Nathaniel turned to Philip and said, I am so glad you invited me to follow you, right? Thank you for coming to me, inviting me. Looking back over your life, are there any people to whom you could say, thank you for inviting me? Or thank you for for not taking no for an answer, right? You know, I could say that to um, my roommate at Bible College, Ted Sauer, when we were both attending Christ for the Nations. One of our academic requirements when we were attending there was you had to go to a Tuesday evening uh, worship service. They they brought in a guest speaker each week, and he would lecture Monday through Friday, but then on Tuesday evening, he would preach and teach as well, and that was kind of part of our curriculum. So it was a mandatory uh, event that we had to go to. So on a Tuesday evening, Ted was getting ready to head over to the auditorium and he asked me if I wanted to sit with him. And uh, I knew that he had just met this girl, this new girl on campus. And so uh, I wasn't interested in being a fifth wheel. I'm not going to, no, I'm not going to go there. You go ahead and sit with your friend and have fun and, and, and I'll be good. No, no, no. No, come on, man. I, re- I really want you to, I really want you to sit with us. And I, all the way over, he sees, come on, man, I really want you to sit. No, I don't think so. So we walk in the auditorium and sure enough, he spots his friend And she's up there towards waving, waving, come here, come here, you know. And so, uh, you know, Ted's got me by the arm, dragging me down there, you know. So we go over there, and we start going across the aisle. And then I see this girl sitting next to Ted's friend, had the most beautiful brown eyes I had ever seen in my life. And so I get over there, and I sit down by her, and, and uh, I, I start uh, talking to her, and I introduced myself, and, and uh, she introduced herself, and she said her name was Sue. And I asked her how old she was. And I'll never forget this. She had this kind of sexy southern twang thing going on. But, but I asked her, I said, so I said so how old are you? And she said, <laughs> not 19. Not 19, 19. Well, I don't know, something about that just, man, you know, I just really kind of got in my heart. That was at the end of January. Our first date was February 6th. We were engaged by April and got married in August. (laughs) And almost 43 years, five children and soon to be 14 grandchildren later, I am so glad that I said yes to Ted's invitation. I'm so glad he did not give up on me and didn't take no for an answer. Now, that providential relationship happened to become romantic in nature. Not all do. But, but God does orchestrate providential relationships all the time. And look, we never know what hangs in the balance of our decision to accept or decline an invitation to a providential relationship. If we did, think about it, if we did, if we knew what the outcome would be, it'd be an easy decision for us. The thing about providential relationships is you don't choose them, they choose you. But here's the thing. We should all be proactive in getting into relationships with people who can help and encourage us in our relationship with the Lord. Because one of the things that we can do to ensure that our faith grows is is taking inventory of who we're doing life with. And interestingly, there's actually a book in the New Testament that addresses this very thing. It's found in the book of Hebrews. It's not actually a book. It's more like a kind of this long, theological, complicated sermon. But in one section of this book, Hebrews, the author's urging these Jews, these Judeans, these sons and daughters of Abraham who believed in God and had just come to faith in Jesus, but he's encouraged them not to give up in their faith in Jesus, right? That that Jesus was the Messiah. So so they believed in God, but they were were new to faith in Jesus. They were still trying to figure it out. So he's saying, look, don't give up. Hang in there. Hang in there. And here's what he says as he urges these new converts to, to just hang in there. He writes this in Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold unswervingly. Anyone ever drive swervingly? Anyone ever Driven behind someone else who was driving swervingly? Anyone ever been arrested for driving? No, you don't have to answer that. (laughs) Let us hold unswervingly to the hope. It's talking about a straight line, just straight. To the hope we profess for he who promised is, here's our word, faithful. Now, remember, this was written in the first century when there were still some eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Christ. There were still some of those folks walking around. And the writer's saying, look, you can't let, you go, you can't let go of your faith in God. Otherwise, where are you going to place your hope? Where are you going to place your hope? Because God has done something right here among us. But see, they were going through a very difficult time. So he's encouraging them to continue to trust God, to not give up hope. And then in order to help them hold on unswervingly to stay straight, he says this in verse 24. And let us consider, let us contemplate, let us think about how we may spur one another on. He's like, look, if if you're gonna maintain bold, unshakable, rock-solid faith, you're gonna need some other people and some other people are gonna need you. He says, I want you to give some thought to how you can spur other people on in their faith. And then, and this, this is the great part, but not just faith that's, that's in your head, not just faith in that what, you know, what you believe, but faith that is lived out. Because it says this, how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Do you see that? Hello, do you see that? Yes. In other words, he's saying, I want you to help each other. I want you to help each other live out your faith in the real world. Why? Because when our faith intersects with God's faithfulness on the back end, our faith gets bigger. So he's like, I want you to spur one another on. I want you to get in each other's face. I want to make sure that you're still getting together and I want you to hang on to your faith. And the best way to hang on to your faith is by living out each day in such a way that it shows up in the real world. It doesn't just stay in your head. It's lived out in practical everyday life. And then he says this in verse 25 of Hebrews 10. Not giving up, meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another And all the more as you see the day, capital D, see that? Approaching. So question, why? Why is this so important to not just meet together but encourage one another during those times? Because apparently, think about this, apparently when it comes to experiencing God's faithfulness, relationships matter. Relationships matter. Because oftentimes what spurs and grows our faith is when we see it at work in other people's lives. In fact, this may explain why you've lost faith or why you're losing faith. Let me explain. Again, when people drift from God, they usually drift from their community of faith before they drift from their faith in general. In other words, people don't drift from faith because they read some secular book on evolution, right? Or because some professor talked them out of it. Again, there is an intellectual side to faith, but following Jesus isn't blind faith. But in terms of actual experience, people drift from their community of faith before they drift from faith. I'm going to say that again. People drift from their community of faith before they drift from faith. And this is exactly what the author of Hebrews is talking about. Put another way, people lose faith when they lose contact with people of faith. If you allow yourself or I allow myself to drift away from my community of faith, it's only a matter of time until I begin to lose faith because when it comes to faith, relationships do matter. Watching God work in other people's lives is is one of the things that bolsters my faith and hopefully would bolster your faith as well. Put it this way, when we see God's faithfulness in somebody else's life, it's easier to trust him with ours. When we see God's sustaining grace, when we see God's activity in someone else's life, someone else's circumstances, it's easier to trust him with ours, especially, listen, especially when we're going through a difficult or dark time. This is one reason we do growth groups. You know, we don't do that just so you have something else to do. That's just what you need, right? Because we know you all have nothing to do. You know, you got all your evenings open. So we thought, you know, let's give them something to do. Let's put a growth. No, no, no. We do growth groups for this very reason. This is important for you to get plugged in. Not just, this isn't just about accountability. This is about your faith, dear ones. This is about blowing up and growing up your faith. If you feel like your faith's not where you want it to be, join a growth group. Get plugged in, right. We think about this single, this is why we encourage people to invite, why we say, come sit with me, right? Don't we, we always say that. Just tell people, come sit with me. Well, I haven't been to church, so it doesn't matter, come sit with me. Well, I used to go to church, but then this, doesn't matter, come sit with me, right? Come sit with me. And you think about that single invitation. You think about that, how that could be the catalyst in someone else's faith story, right? You never know what's on the other side of that invitation when you say, hey, come sit with me. And here's the thing, when you, when you take that step of faith and make that awkward invitation, you were afraid to do it, you didn't know what they would say, you, know? you didn't know if they'd show up, you thought that they might reject you, right? But then one day you take that step of faith and you actually, invite, hey, come sit with me. And then they show up. How exciting is that? So they show up. And then not long later, we're standing over there after a Sunday morning service at a water baptism service. And that person you invited is getting water baptized. And we always have someone share a little bit of a you know, testimony before we baptize them. And that person that you invited, as they begin to share their story, they mention you. Let me ask you something. What's going to happen to your faith at that point? Right? Is your faith going to blow up or what? That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. These providential relationships aren't just about growing up and blowing up your faith. It's also a matter of, this is also about about a matter of reaching your goals and and dreams because, again, your friends, the people you choose to hang out with, they're going to influence your future more than you might realize. That's why I always tell young people, but this this applies to everyone. Choose your friends wisely because they will determine the direction and the quality of your life. Not just, but the quality of your life. Your friends will determine the quality and direction of your life the people that we choose to do life with, influence and impact, the strength and endurance of our faith as well. Because when we see God's faithfulness in someone else's life, at that point, it is easier for us to trust him with ours. And quite often, quite often, the courage we have to step out in faith came because we saw someone else do it. And we thought, you know what? If they can do it, I can do it too. I'm telling you, dear ones, when we see God's faithfulness in someone else's life, It is so much easier to trust him with ours. And we'll pick up there next week, the Lord willing. So as is the pattern for this series and the previous messages, this probably won't surprise you when I say I have three questions for you for your homework. And I hope you have been answering these questions because we might have a pop quiz just throwing that out there. (laughs) All right, but we do have three questions that I want you to take home and I want you to answer these before next Sunday. First question, and these are kind of long verbiage kind of questions, but just kind of hang in there. Can you think of someone that God providentially brought into your life at just the right time and initially did you resist their input and why? Can you think of someone who God brought into your life and they began to speak into your life and maybe it was a little uncomfortable at first because maybe they were kind of calling you out on something, but but think about that. Someone that brought into your life and, and, and if you resisted, why? Why did you resist? Second question. Have you played that role in somebody else's life? Have you been the person that they would look back on and say, wow, I am so glad God brought you into my life? And were you reluctant initially to take that step? Right. On the front end, were you scared or hesitant? Why? Right. And then third Are the people whose stories shaped and strengthened your faith aware of the role that they played in your life? In other words, these people that have been influential in where you are today and helping you spiritually, have you told them lately? The reason I ask that is because, you know, you don't know where they may, they might be at a place right now where that would be total encouragement to them. If you just send them a note, send them a card, send them a text, call them and say, you know what, I just got, maybe you don't know this, but I got to tell you, you were instrumental in God bringing me to where I'm at today. So just just consider telling them that. Just send them a text or a card or something. But let them know that because that might be the exact thing that they need right now. Amen. So bow your heads and let me pray for you. Father, I thank you, thank you, thank you so much for the men and women that you brought into our lives, people who changed the trajectory of our lives in a positive way, people that we now recognize that you used to draw us unto you and help us grow in our walk and in our faith. And Lord, I pray that you would remind us to, if we haven't yet or if it's been a long time, remind us to thank them, Lord, to let them know how much we appreciate and value their, their friendship. And as we do, as we do, I pray that our thanks would encourage them as well because we have no idea what a big deal that might be for them, how their faith might blow up and grow up when they realize how you use them to draw others unto you, Lord. And for those here <clears throat> this morning or those from our eCampus church that might be watching online, who you, maybe you don't have faith or maybe you used to have faith but lost it or walk, walked away from it. If that's you, would you consider giving Jesus another chance? Not to believe in me, Jesus. Not the Jesus you might have learned about in Sunday school or church growing up, but but the follow me Jesus. Because when you get to know the follow me Jesus, when you begin to actually live out what you believe about Jesus, even though it's more difficult on the front end, it is so much more rewarding on the backside as your faith grows through these providential relationships and you see God use you to make a difference in other people's lives. So if that's you, Would you just pray this simple prayer with me? Just say, Heavenly Father, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die in my place for my sins so I could not just go to heaven but experience eternal abundant life here and now. And I ask you to forgive me of all my sins, fill me with your Holy Spirit, and help me begin living my life for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen.